Hi everyone, welcome to Hubshots episode 192. In this episode, we chat about our favorite recent workflow automation features in HubSpot, plus Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, features, and strategies for growing your sales and marketing results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Oh, good, Ian. You know, trying to appeal to the younger demographic with our, <laughs> our fancy Taylor Swift references. But look, and also keeping with the recording artist theme and albums, it's a bit of a best of. It is. And really, that's just a reminder of some really cool features. There have been lots of really cool features lately, and we've covered them in previous shows, but it's easy to lose track of them. Let's it just is. do a bit of a recap of them, yeah. So firstly, our growth thought of the week, Craig. Inbound is around the corner. I got an email, actually, to register for Inbound. Are you going this year? Yes. Excellent. So do that and connect with us on LinkedIn. And when you connect with us on LinkedIn, please write in the message that you listen to the show so we know who you are. Otherwise, I think people are trying to sell me stuff, which is happening quite a bit. I had a great uh, connection uh, request from someone the other day. They said, hi, Craig, I'm not trying to sell you, blank, blank. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I got that too. Did you get that same one? <laughs> and it was such a good message, listening to the show. Just, yeah, and I was like, yep, connect. Thanks for listening kind of thing. It was really good. Yeah, and we love hearing from you and thank you for listening. Now, Craig, uh, HubSpot Marketing Feature Week is the HubSpot Workflow Automation Features. Yeah, so this is where the best of kicks off. And I've got three workflow features. By the way, do you call them workflows or automations? Look, I do call them workflows, but more and more as I talk to different people and customers and potential customers, it's automation. It's how do I make their life easier by automating as much stuff as we can to give them a better result. And I think some portals, I think ours, for example, still has workflows in the menu, but most of the new portals have automation. I think most of the other tools on the market, even MailChimp, they call them automations, campaign monitor maybe, can't remember all the others, but there has been this shift away from the word workflow to automations, but I am so stuck in legacy mode, I just refer to them as workflows. Now, Craig, I'll just remind you, the menu item does say automation, and workflows is within marketing and sequences is within sales. So that's how they've split it up. Right. But I think in some portals, I'll just have to check this, but it's different on some portals. And also, if you don't have any sales features, there's no drop down. I think it's just automation or I've seen multiple different menus. So they're testing and measuring. Testing and measuring. Anyway, I think it's gradually moving over to everything is automation based. And it of is. course, it's called marketing automation. That's the term in the industry. So it makes sense that they use automation there. Correct. So, Craig, what is our first automation? All right. So, I want to remind you of this one that was released only recently. And we Correct. talked about this back in episode 188. And this is the merge settings. With so much joy and enthusiasm, Craig. Yes, in workflows. So, this overcomes the problem where previously, if you were merging two contacts, the second contact coming in would suddenly trigger a workflow that the first had been in and all kinds of confusion could ensure. And this setting allowed that to be turned off for workflows. So if it was a merge, then they didn't fire in the workflow. So that's great. I've got a a screenshot there. The wisdom is go through, turn that to no, probably for most of your workflows, unless they set properties. So what is the default, Cray? I think the the default is yes, which is basically the behavior that used to happen. Yes, correct. All right. Number two is the branching, multiple branching of up to 20 if statements. 
Yeah, we talked about this in episode 187. This is so good. This overcame that whole nesting on nesting on nesting of branches. If then, oh, well, if it does, then go into another branch. I oh, know. and then another branch. And this kind of like complete umbrella a, spider web of yes. nesting. So now you can just have up to 20 uh, choices in a single branch. It's really good. And our final one, which brought us great joy, was the go action. In contact workflows. Yeah, I just talked about this last week. And as we reminded uh, listeners, if you had a new portal, you would have already had this for a couple of months. But Correct. For all the legacy customers, they have now rolled this out to all, because they completely rebuilt the workflow engine. So now in contact workflows or it's- automations, they have the go command. All right, onto our HubSpot sales switch of the week, Craig. And this is, I just want to highlight this report. It's called Deal Totals by Source. Now, why this is interesting is a lot of our customers are now asking for this information and going, well, we've got, you know, we're doing Facebook ads, we're doing Google ads, we're doing, we see a lot of organic traffic. We might be advertising in a magazine somewhere, doing shows. We might have people coming into our showrooms. How do we track that our marketing spend is actually creating deals? So there is a default report in there that says deal total by source, which is great. So it tells you, is it organic? Is it paid? There is a no value in there as well, which I'm going to dig to the bottom of, but then there's offline. And so generally across businesses that we work with, we find there's this large bulk of deals that come from offline sources. So they could have picked up the phone and called in. They could have walked into a location those kinds of things, they might have actually said that they saw it in a magazine, for example. Anyway, which got me thinking, how do we get to the bottom of this and how do we better understand where these sources are coming from? So the first thing we've done is we've created a custom lead property, a lead source property for that business. So I think I highlighted this in the last episode where we say, you know, what are all the mediums that we're using? And we track that. So could be you've got site banners, you're using magazines, you're using newspapers, you're using mail. Billboards. Billboards, etc. right? They're all valid. And then what we're going to do is we're testing something with Service Hub to try and marry the two up. So I'm like, I've just, I've just implemented this today for a customer of ours and I will be sharing a follow-on from this about how we can try and tie this better back. And minimize the offline sources to understand where people are originating from. All right. So just so I understand this, this is really cool because we've had this in terms of contacts and customers in the marketing reports, you know, that's just a general sources report, but this report is basically, okay, it's great. You've got all these contacts and leads, but of the ones that created deals, show me the here's money, where they came from. So wouldn't that be interesting? It's like, oh, we've got all these leads coming from Facebook. Yeah, but no deals. Exactly. So this is a really good way to differentiate. And of course, that's what sales wants to know and marketing should want to know. Correct. And I I think more and more as I work with sales teams and with organizations that are actually doing sales and marketing alignment well, we're delving more and more into this to understand, hey, where are we spending our money and where is it getting us the biggest return? Yeah. And another reason this is really good, this is especially good for companies that have a long sales cycle. Because even from the sources report, you could tell where they were from customers. You know, they became a customer. You could see their original source. But if you've got a sales cycle that takes quite a while, but deals can quite often come in quickly because sales are working them, 
So you might see that a lot quicker than having to wait to when they became a customer. The other thing I'd be interested in is what's if customers have multiple deals? So previously on the marketing reports, just a sources report, well, customer, they came from here. Oh, okay. But what about multiple deals? So again, this is a really good report, really valuable. All right, on to our HubSpot Extra of the Week, Craig. And this is our, one of our favorites. Yeah, this is another best of. And so, well, the best of would just be use pop-up forms. That'd Correct. Be, that'd be kind of like what we'd say every time. By the way, I'm sick of having to uh, clarify with people that when I say a pop-up form, I don't mean a pop-up form. I mean a slide-in. And by the way, shout out to Chris Higgins for yes. uh, commenting on that on LinkedIn and for appreciating or relating to what I was saying. Thank you, Chris. And thank you for kind words, by the way. Very nice of you. But we never have actual pop-ups that take over and annoy you. Whenever I talk about pop-ups, I talk about slide-ins. That's why I used to think lead flows was such a, a much better better term. So anyway, I've got off topic having a bit of a rant, but back to pop-up forms, uh, slide-ins, this behavioral targeting, which they released, I think it was only a couple of months ago. And I know we talked about it in an early episode 185, but I don't think this feature has had enough exposure. It's behavioral targeting, which allows you to create funnels of lead flows. So you can have, oh, don't show that lead flow if they've already filled in that lead flow, for example, or they've met some other criteria. So I've got a screenshot in there, should be using that. It's a killer feature and it's not getting enough love. I couldn't agree more, Craig. All right, onto our HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig. And uh, I don't know what to say about this. Now, you might know that the caller ID is available in the HubSpot mobile app. So that's a relatively new feature that's been rolling out. So the whole idea is when a contact calls you, the HubSpot mobile app uses the phone number values in the phone number and mobile number properties to determine the contact who's calling, right? Now you've got to give your you've got to give the app permission to do this for it to work. I was trying to say with a customer and it didn't really work. So I went, hang on, what's going on here? Here's a big caveat, right? Please note, the phone number values cannot include any spaces or parentheses and must include the country code and area code if applicable. Now, a lot of our customers in the mobile phone and phone fields have spaces in them so they can read them easily. That This does not bode well with this uh, feature. Look, I, I think you're pretty polite, Ian, but I'm just going to say this is ridiculous. And by the way, it's 2020. And do you know how many websites when I'm filling out or signing up, I put in my mobile, I naturally put spaces and it gives an error, validation error, cannot include. And sometimes it's so obscure. It's like cannot include special characters in the phone number. I'm like, what? I take out the spaces. Oh, and validate. I'm like, seriously, can, why? This is a problem that should have been solved years ago. I naturally put spaces in. Who doesn't naturally put spaces in? It's much more readable. Exactly. And quite often I'll just copy it straight in. Oh, no, valid. Surely that validation should just automatically remove spaces, dashes, parentheses. I mean, why do we have to do this? This is what machine, This is what software should do. You know what? And this is the hard, the hard choices I'm faced with, with a customer of ours. It's like this great feature, it ain't going to work. So I was actually thinking, well... Most people give mobile numbers, so I was actually going to try copying the number from the mobile number field into the phone field without space, basically cleaning the data and loading it back in against the phone field so we could do a match. Now, obviously, if they gave us a phone number and a mobile number, that ain't going to work. 
but in the, in this instance where they, most of the time people didn't give two numbers and they were talking to the person directly, it would be fine. But I thought, what a waste of time. It's it's ridiculous. By the way, uh, you've got an iPhone, I've got an iPhone. Go and add a new contact and put your mobile number. Apple will automatically Correct. format it every time you type it in. It, it actually spaces it out and mobile number renders beautifully. And you know what? That's half the problem. In, in my whole process, I demoing and setting this person up to use the app and I was telling them, hey you can add a contact this way you know open the app go to contacts click the big plus button at the top say import from phone it's going to import with the spaces it ain't taking any spaces out so anyway there's my rant they should fix it you know what I'd like to say here's the little features that HubSpot could put in the CRM and in and also the app as well. You know when you copy and or paste? Yes. I'd love a copy so I always want to see the the phone number in the format, local format. So mobile in Australia, it's different in the US for, you'd call it cell, but in Australia we call it mobile. And it's really, it's four digits, then it's three. Three, three. Then it's three, right? This is standard. And I'm sure every country's got their standard. So whenever I want to see a mobile phone number, I would just want to see it. And of course, my iPhone shows it me to me like that. But when I copy, I'd like to be able to just copy without spaces or a direct, because if I'm copying out of HubSpot, chances are I'm going to paste it into somewhere that is still suffering from this ridiculous <laughs> lack of validation smarts. So it should just, it's almost like I need an option. Copy without spaces, copy, you know, clean and everything removed. Gee, that'd be nice. So that'd be HubSpot solving the problem for someone else's issue, mind Correct, you. Yes. So they don't have to do it. But these are the things. Why are we still stuffing around like this in 2020? All right, on to our marketing tip of the week, Craig. Selfless email marketing. And this is a blog post on HubSpot that talks about selfish versus selfless email marketing. Yeah, so what's interesting about this is I'll call it a idealistic post about email marketing being high quality, low spam, basically providing value. And it's a good post. You should read it and... They outline, you know, things to consider when in your emails to make it more engaging and useful. I really like the approach and the attitude of this blog post. But here's my question. Is this realistic? Because we know from experience, I'm sure you're the same, with the companies that we work with in the B2B space, bigger corporates, they do a lot of email blasting and just brand and stuff going out. And it works. And in fact, we have metrics with uh, some of our clients where we know every email blast is going to result in two to three deals. We just know it's going to work. So we just keep doing it. We can change the types of emails. We're trying to make them more engaging, but they are pretty salesy. They're just like, here's a new feature. We've got, here's a new deal. Here's a new, they just work. And these are big corporate deals. So why am I mentioning this? It's because, sure, you can take the idealistic that this blog post is pushing for, but you've got to balance it with the realistic. And I would love a world where we just had engaging high-value emails, but I know from experience that you will do what works. Exactly. And I think if you're selling a product where it lends itself to easily being bought, it's only natural. I mean, I think about how we interact with emails where we get offers or we both love watches, right? So when we see a watch that we like, what do we do? We click on it. We want to see, we know the price. We want to see more information about it. So it clearly works. Like I'm sure our good friend that sends us emails about watches, 
He's probably thinking, wow, look at these two turkeys clicking at all these links at the same time. But you know what? That's the reality of it, right? Everybody's selling something to make a living, to provide for their families, to to provide for people that work with them. And that's what keeps the world going round. All right. What's our inside of the week, Craig? Okay. So this is where we're going to talk about Taylor Swift. And you've put me on to Justin Bieber. My wife said, there's this documentary on Netflix about Taylor Swift. Do you want to watch it? And I was like, oh, um... you, you, I'm sure you were absolutely excited, Craig. I was like, oh, well, sure. You know, I'll watch. And by the way, my wife's not a Taylor Swift music fan. She doesn't really listen to her music, but she really likes her as an artist. I was like, oh, okay, well, let's, you know, let's have a look. This documentary, Ian, it's wonderful. It's so good. And... I recommend everyone watch it. I think it's fantastic. It's a real insight into her. Now, the caveat is she has been very involved and, you know, approved it. It's, you know, so I'm sure it's been massaged for her benefit. But I do feel it gives an insight into her as an artist. And here's a few of the things I learned and found out about her. So she is incredibly talented and you'll just have to take my word for that. I know some people go, oh, I know some pop at, you know, mm. no talent, but she's very talented. However, she's incredibly hardworking. Yes. And she is very authentic, I feel. All of her songs that she's written are kind of about her life and things. And in this documentary, you see some of that coming yes. out. Yes. And she's joyful as well as this kind of combination that she has as an artist, as an artist. And some of the things like before her first album, I did not realize how enormously successful she was. And I know that sounds strange. Of course, Taylor Swift, you know, she's, I I realized that. But when you see how enormously successful she is and how hard she works, she, before she was even getting interest in a record contract, she, she'd written 150 songs. This is as a teenager. Wow. She was out just playing anywhere and everywhere she could just to get out. And she loves music. She is an artist, right? And what you see in this documentary is how hard she's worked and how passionate she is about what she does. She's not just some bimbo spouting off some other, someone else's songs and things like that. And you see her in the studio. And one of the things that really moved me is when you see her working on a song. And I love these behind the scenes things where you see her composing. She's working yes. with one of her producers and co-writers. She's working on a lyric trying to get this lyric because she's got this tune coming. She, by the way, she just, you would feel like she just pumps these out. She's on her iPhone talking about it. There's this sense of joy where she's working out the lyric and it clicks. There's this creative moment and it's captured on the film and you see it and you see this sheer look of joy on her face. It's just a beautiful moment. Anyway, you've got to watch it. I'll get to why I'm talking about this in a second, but when I was telling you about this earlier, you were actually saying, oh, you'd been watching a documentary about Justin Bieber. So what were your thoughts on that? So, Craig, why I brought that, because after you were telling me this story, just like you've told us just now, I mean, hang on. I was, I was launching, it's a YouTube original series about Justin Bieber. It was really fascinating because I, I was observing his life and how he kind of got to that some of the things he'd gone through and even his new wife, just understanding. And you, in this documentary, you see how hard he actually works and he's in the studio. He's, he's organizing how he's singing the songs. He's recording lines over and over again. And it just resonated with me with what you were telling me about Taylor Swift was 
all these guys that are doing great or putting out great albums, right? They are doing hard work. They're there in their day in and day out, rain, hell, shine. They're, they're doing it and they do it because they love it, right? And I think that's what we discovered. It's like, it's like us. We play with, or we, sorry, we play with, we work with HubSpot, we work with marketing, we work with sales teams. We're doing this every day. It actually gives us a buzz. Like when I was explaining to you the thing I was testing out with marrying offline sources, <laughs> like that, when I, I was actually thinking about that for a couple of weeks now about how we could do this. And it just happened that I was in this meeting with the operations manager and I was thinking, oh, maybe I should give this a go. And I went, and like, I got so excited at that point. And I, and I saw the same excitement in the Taylor Swift preview you played for me. And even in the Justin Bieber, like when they get stuff, the excitement and joy that they have was fascinating. And, you know, I think we can learn a lot from that. I think we can. My takeaway for this, because listeners might be going, what on earth are you talking about? And how does this relate to marketing? It's this, be an artist. And I don't know that sounds really cliched and lame and, and that kind of thing, but be an artist because there are those parts, the parts I really love about marketing, uh, those moments like you just talked about one of your experiences where you come up with this solution to a problem and there's this joy in creation, I think, when you come up with a really cool solution and it works. Sometimes it doesn't even work or it doesn't give the results through it, but Quite often it does. And you've come up with this thing, you think, wow, this is awesome. This is a piece of marketing, a piece of storytelling, a piece of technical implementation yep. that solves a problem and does it well and adds value and all these things, like be an artist. So cherish those moments because a lot of marketing is just drudgery and that kind of stuff. And as you pointed out, Taylor Swift and uh, Justin Bieber and, of course, all the millions of other artists that try hard but maybe aren't even successful they do the daily grind. They just keep working and working for those moments of inspiration and creation. And that's what drives me. And, you know, we're lucky enough to be in positions where we often experience that joy. Well said, Craig. All right, Craig, our HubSpot throwback of the week. What was happening? They were making some form changes a year ago and they added the not you link. This is on a form where that had a little link up the top right. It says not you and you could link. So you'd come through to a form on a page. Oh, that's not my details. Click the not you and fill out your own details. That was a year ago, Ian. Feels like it's been there forever. I know it does. And that was in episode 152, Craig. Now, Craig, a resource of the week. I've been digging around with Facebook of late and I came across this Facebook People Insights, which is really fascinating. And it's a whole library of things where they talk about giving insights into, let me just say this, understanding consumer behavior across generations, geographies, devices, and time. And it was really interesting. There is so much of content there in understanding. Like one of the things that they've released recently, and this is I'm sure wherever you are, you'll get relevant information, but there's a really good one there about hot topics in Australia in uh, November 2019. And it actually nicely graphs out what were the hot topics at the time. So well worth looking at because you might actually gain insight into people that you're trying to help and understand where they're going, what they're doing, what are they thinking about. It, it'll actually help you. Craig, what's our quote of the week? 
It's not a direct quote and it's not a, a new idea, but I was reminded of it when Scott Galloway on a recent Pivot podcast, are you listening to Pivot still? Yes. How I have to that? say, I, yeah, I love it. <laughs> Carl Schuster and Scott Galloway, Pivot, so good. And uh, by the way, shout out to the, what's the podcast player we use? Outcast, is it? Over, overcast. overcast, sorry, yes. overcast, and the quick fifteen second fast forward. I love that. All those ads. <laughs> skip, 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 skip. Oh, gee, it's good. Anyway, sorry, because they're revenue source. <laughs> we should be listening to those ads. But all it, the, the, by the way, their ads aren't localized. They're all U.S. ads, U.S. insurance, U.S. products that we can't even get here in Australia. So, and to our U.S. listeners, we love you. We do love you, U.S. listeners. Yes. So anyway, what was the quote, Craig? Oh, what was the quote? Anyway, here was the quote that Scott said. He said, during a recession, great brands invest in marketing. And that resonated with me because we've got a number of clients in a certain sector that it's very seasonal. And so over the Christmas, New Year break and January, and in fact, February, they are so swamped with leads and they are so busy. They're saying, oh, can you turn our ads off? We actually had someone say, oh, can you turn all our ads off? We've just swamped. We can't handle them. And we're like, great problem to have. Yeah, we'll turn them off. We're now saying, look, be gearing up for when it's not like, because this is very seasonal and I'd love to take credit for how good it is. But of course, it'll drop down in the colder months. And it's almost like fill up your pipeline that you can be nurturing through and then also make sure you increase your marketing in that recession. Because typically what happens when it goes down, what what expense they want to cut? Oh, revenue's down. Better cut marketing. Here's the the planning, planning for when it comes down again. Have your pipeline filled, but also be sure that you're going to be planning for spend in those down times. No, that's really great advice, Craig. One thing that I have noticed when talking to different people over the recent time is that people are not understanding where people are in their buying journey. And I'm finding all too often people are targeting people right at the bottom or right at the end. Because they haven't actually segmented or asked the question up front where they're at, makes it really hard to understand and forecast for what you're going to do. So really simple thing you can do is when you're using your CRM and you're using HubSpot, have a field, you can use the lifecycle stage, but you can have another field about where people are in their journey that is relevant to you or to your business or your product. Clearly map that out. And ask those questions on a form, wherever it is, and get that. At least you know when your pipeline's filling up, you can understand which ones you need to nurture, which ones you need to put on the back burner, and which ones you need to attend to right now. You would be really surprised asking such a direct question, what the answer you can get. Now, don't make this free text. Make sure you actually put it in a drop down so people can select it. But it it really gives us a very good insight into what people are thinking and what they're doing as they travel through and research and interact with you. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Um, I think we've covered this in, in a number of previous shows, but just to clarify, so this would be one of those drop downs that says, uh, "What's your time frame for purchase?" And the first option is. Uh, just looking or just researching. Next option might be next month or one to three months, three to six months, et cetera. Is that the kind of field that you're talking about? Yeah, so I mean, we've taken out a lot of anything to do with, like in terms of timeframe. We've just essentially said, are you at the start of your journey and you're looking? And then there's a key point where there might be deciding on a certain 
product. So we say you're you're deciding on this product, and then we say, have you shortlisted any? You know, oh, that's so, a good so one. we're kind of like, have try- you shortlisted? Yes. Yeah, so that's then we know we we actually know that they're in that stage where they're thinking, oh, look, I'm comparing uh, HubSpot with Marketo and Salesforce. And so we know that they're thinking that. Whereas at the start, they're like, oh, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Is this a right fit for me? That's a tip of the week right there. Have you shortlisted any products? That's a really good qualifying question. I love it. All right, listeners, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love you to, A, connect with us and tell us you you listen to the show. B, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review and share this podcast with somebody that you love. We hope that you have a great week. Until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.